Hey, greetings team Ajilam. Karibuni sana tena. Welcome back. So we're on a new series on the kingdom. Uh, last week we looked at the first parable that uh, is in Matthew 13, uh, which is a really dope parable. It's the parable of the sower. So we looked at that last time. And so we're still going to be looking at Matthew 13 today. And uh, if you're not caught up, please go watch the last episode. But to Meanza, we are ready. All right. Now, in last week's episode, we looked at the kingdom of God being equated to a seed. Okay. And if you remember, we talked about the seed, the soil and the sower. However, if you remember, the in between there, I had mentioned something that we would revisit and today's the day we're going to revisit that, okay? So, we're going to revisit uh, Matthew 13 from verse 1 to 16. And there's something specific that I want us to look at um, outside of the seed, the soil, and the sower. We're going to look at the soil next week. Sour? Sour. All right, allow me to read Tafadhali. And it says, On that day Jesus had gone out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up immediately, because they had no depth of soil, but after the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times as much. The one who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came up and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand. And you shall keep on looking, but shall not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and hear with their ears, understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Amen and amen. Amen. Now, let me tell you guys, my friends, this message today really pierced my heart. Eh? Uh, it, it, it went deep. And, and you know, I, I, I've, I think I've mentioned this to you guys many times before where um, whenever we do a series, it's also a great opportunity for me to learn as well. So I'm learning alongside with you. And as I was preparing this, you know, God just kept, you know, really um, uh, challenging me uh, deeply. And uh, my work with the Lord was deeply challenged while preparing this. But the thing that... I, you know, I really hope that this does for the same thing for you as well. But just to paint some context around what is happening in this parable and what is going on in this context in Matthew 13, right? And so now, at this point in time, Jesus is the man in the streets, okay? He's super popular, of course, right? He's out here healing guys, 
casting out demons doing all this really fancy like amazing stuff mind-blowing stuff so of course the guy has a huge following right this guy is he's, he's popping you know what i mean like he's he's, he's really popping right and so there are a lot of people who are following Jesus, right? Who are following him, some because they're so enamored by the way he taught. It says that he taught as one with authority and they were so enamored by this guy. But beyond that is that this is the guy. He's the miracle worker. Yeah? Guys come, he's there healing guys, doing all these things. In fact, it even says in the Bible that there are so many things that Jesus did that if that there would not be enough books to record the amount of things that he did meaning that the things that are recorded is just a small glimpse of the greater things in which he did so you can imagine the euphoria that was around Jesus Christ right and so on this very specific day we witness something very insightful right there's some a very insightful thing that that is in between this 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 message right so as normal huge crowd gathers around Jesus and he begins to teach them, right? But the thing is, is that he teaches them using parables, right? So he's teaching them using parables. And basically a parable is just, you know, it's just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? It's just like anapianama examples, <laughs> right? Analogies and stuff, right? And so the thing is that Matthew 13, and remember I told you we're going to look at a lot of the parables that Jesus taught on the kingdom um, from Matthew 13. And so this whole Matthew 13 is just filled with this day. He's just here talking in parables. And so the disciples are really puzzled. And so they come to Jesus and ask him, why do you speak to them, to them in parables? Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus says to them, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted. And what he does then after this, after um, uh, verse 17, is that he then goes on to explain the parable of the sower to his disciples. Not to the people that were listening, but to his disciples. Ha! <laughs> Woo! Now, today, guys, this is, this, is, this is where I'm going with this, okay? I want us to understand something. That the purpose and counsel of the kingdom is revealed and given to disciples and not followers. The purpose and the counsel and the mysteries of the kingdom are revealed to disciples and not followers. The mysteries of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, the knowledge of the kingdom, the understanding of the kingdom is given to disciples and not followers. And the thing is, is that one thing we must realize is that in this time of Jesus, right, is no different from where we are today. Where we realize that even in this day and age, that there are very many followers of Jesus Christ, but very few disciples. Whoo! Hey, hey! <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know if that stung you a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to explain then the difference between a follower and a disciple. Okay? It's important for us to be able to draw this distinction, right? Because if this is the case, because you realize that in Jesus' time, there were very many people that followed him. They loved all the stuff that he did. They went and listened to his teachings. But the mysteries of the kingdom were only revealed to his disciples. Hey, so therefore, let me just define then the difference between a follower and a disciple. Okay, so then we can go deeply into this. 
Sawa. Follow through with me on this. Now, a follower is just that. <laughs> right? One who follows. Are we, are we together? In essence, a follower does not necessarily seek to obey Christ or accept the message that Jesus preached. They're there to listen, but they're not necessarily obeying the message or accepting the message. They're just listening. They're like, wow, this guy is super interesting. I love, I love the way he teaches. He teaches as one with authority. <laughs> hey, eh? I love, I love, I love Jesus' teachings. Very, very, you know, I, I, I identify with, especially the message of love. Really like that message, right? So they're not necessarily seeking to obey Christ or accept his message. What they are is like these guys who just go listen to Jesus speaking, right? They were just there, super dope, nice. They liked his message. They loved, ah, they especially loved the signs and wonders, right? Especially love that, you know? Miracle worker, love this Jesus, great guy. What a great guy, great teacher, love him, great guy. On the flip side, a disciple is one who is committed and submitted to the Lordship of Christ in their life. Let me read that again. A disciple is one who is committed and submitted to the Lordship of Christ in their life. Meaning, a disciple is one who seeks to emulate his teacher. Right? Even by definition, that's who a disciple is. One who has come to learn, and not just learn, but also emulate. Okay? That as a disciple, you're coming and saying, when he comes and he calls his disciples and says, follow me. They literally leave everything and follow Jesus. They literally gave up everything and followed him. Okay? And so the thing is, is that the disciple is one who seeks a relationship with Christ that leads them to be submitted to his lordship over them. Okay? And so, that's what we realize, right? That this disciple is one who is committed. He's not just a hearer of the word but a doer of the word okay that sioku nikusema naku nakutenda hear and do right this is the purpose of why these disciples were his disciples is because they had come to emulate him to learn and to emulate to learn and to emulate to learn and to emulate and this is what's so interesting is that jesus at the time when he comes and he gives the great commission to his disciples, he says to them in Matthew 28 and verse 19, You also go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And so you realize that the goal of the kingdom has never been about creating and making followers, but about making disciples. It has always been about making disciples, right? And so basically the whole idea is to have followers that are disciples, not just followers that are just followers. That is the whole goal, followers that are disciples, right? Following disciples. <laughs> but the thing that's even more important is this, and that we see in Matthew 13 is that the mysteries of the kingdom, the mysteries of the kingdom are revealed to disciples. The mysteries of the kingdom are revealed to disciples. And this is what we see in this chapter when Jesus says to his disciples that to you 
it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. And so the deep mysteries of God's will and action are given to his disciples. The mysteries of his will and his action are given to his disciples. Now, here's the thing. I want us to be able to look at three key traits of a disciple, okay? Three key traits of a disciple, right? Number one is obedience. <laughs> hey, a disciple is one who seeks to learn and implement what they hear. I said this earlier, that they are not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. In John 14, 21 to 24, Jesus, while speaking with his disciples, says to them, The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my father will love him and will come to him, and we will make our dwelling with him. The one who does not love me does not follow my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Listen to what he says. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Remember that the kingdom is where God's will and presence is active. Remember that. Remember we talked about this in the first episode, right? And therefore what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that when we are doers of the word, what we are doing is that we are inviting his kingdom into our lives. When we are doers of the word. And let me tell you, man, this thing stuck me. I mean, it really just, this was so stinging. Because for so long, we've, we, 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 and I know for myself, that in so many ways where obedience is kind of this optional thing, eh? <laughs> it's like, meh, it's optional. It's an optional thing where there's so many times, even in my own life, where God has given me an instruction and I'm like, mm, <laughs> maybe, might do it, might not, you know? But this is the thing, is that, what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us is that this is not a choice. That as a disciple, you are called to obedience. The thing about this is this, is that discipleship is about emulating the person that is discipling you. And this is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was obedient to his father. And so he expects the same of his disciples, that we would be obedient to his word. That when we would hear his word, that we would then not just be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. Amen? That we would not just be those guys who are just followers, listening and being like, great, great message by that Jesus guy. Love that guy. So cool. Very, you know, I can relate with him. But he was about literally listening to his words and obeying his words. And not just being a hearer, but also a doer of the things that he was saying to us. And therefore... To adhere to his word is to welcome his kingdom into my life with all its benefits, right? Remember we talked about the benefits of the kingdom is eternal life, right? Eternal zoa, eternal productivity, eternal purpose, eternal vitality. And that's what it is. That what obedience does is that it allows us to be able to be disciples and then to be able to then experience all the benefits of the kingdom through obedience to his word, right? 
God is a rewarder of those that follow instructions, of those that are his disciples. Now, the second trait that I want us to look at for this disciple is very similar to the first one. So the first one is obedience, but the second one, obedience is one way in terms of look at in terms of obeying his word. But the second one that I want us to look at, and probably to me is the thing that is the greatest underlying aspect of what a disciple is, is about submission. It's about submission. A disciple is one who takes up his cross and follows Christ. Not just when it's, in, when it's convenient, but even when it's inconvenient. Submission is at the heart of discipleship. Submission is at the heart of discipleship. That you cannot disciple someone who is not submitted to you. You know, as I've been studying this series, you know, one of the things that I realize is a key message through and through the message of the kingdom is about us submitting to this kingdom. That the way that this kingdom is able to impact our lives is through submission. That as long as we are not submitted, then we are in opposition to God's kingdom. It is us submitting our will, our wants, our desires at the foot of the cross and taking up his will, his desires, and his wants. And the thing that is so interesting is this, is that the person whom we are supposed to emulate literally epitomizes this lifestyle. If you remember that Jesus was very clear that he did not come on his own will or on his own purpose, but he came to fulfill the will and purpose of his father. And he calls us as his disciples to emulate him, to emulate him in his submission, in his submission to God's will, in his submission to the father's will, in his submission to the father's desire, in his submission to his father's word. And so the thing that we realize is that Jesus is coming and showing us that this is what the kingdom looks like, that the kingdom is a place of submission because the place of submission is a place of victory. That when Jesus Christ on the Garden of Gethsemane, when he comes and he says, your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. He was submitting to his father's will. And through that, it says in Hebrews 12, that through that submission, that then he then now is seated at the right hand of God. That he received a reward that this submission was actually him pursuing victory through his father's will. It is about us emulating our teacher. Discipleship is about us becoming like our teacher, who is Christ Jesus. And we are called to live a life of submission to God's will and presence in our lives. There's a beautiful story that's told in John 21. It's actually the, John 21 is part of the reason why I started Adjula. Um, it's the story of Peter and Jesus. And at this point, what happened is that Jesus has resurrected. He's been crucified. He's now resurrected. And as Jesus has resurrected, he's walking with Peter. And as he's walking with Peter, he comes and he, there's this beautiful interaction that's happening between Peter and Jesus. And remember, Peter is the one who denied Jesus three times, okay? Before, during the crucifixion, he denied Jesus three times. And we see during this walk with, 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 between Jesus and Peter, where Jesus asks Peter three times to commit himself to him. 
this is something so beautiful that my, my mom pointed out uh, as we were having a conversation a few weeks ago. And it's very insightful about what it is that God and through Christ Jesus is asking us to do for this kingdom. Now what's interesting is this, is that this is the story where in John 21 where when Jesus is, is walking with Peter, he asks him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Right? Now here's the thing that's so interesting, is that the word here used for love that Jesus uses in the first two times when he asks Peter, he says, he uses the word agapao. This is the Greek word agapao. The Greek word agapao, there's many different ways in which love, English is a very limiting word, but there's different ways in which love is expressed in Greek. Agapao is the Greek word for a sacrificial love. Right? A sacrificial love. And so this is the same word that's used in John 3.16, right? Where it says, for God so loved the world. So really it's for God so agapao the world. For God so sacrificially loved the world that he gave his only son. Agapao, agapao is the love that comes from the will. The contrast to that is phileo. Phileo is the love of passion. The one that comes from the brotherly love. You know, this guy really loved this guy, liked this guy. That's that, that Phileo is that one of passion. Agapao is a love of the will. It's the thing that is the thing of the will. One that is sacrificial. It speaks not just of obedience, but prompt obedience. Okay? And so while Jesus is walking with Peter, he's asking him, Peter, will you sacrificially love me? Peter, will you sacrificially love me? He's asking him of a sacrificial love. Not the one of my feelings. The one that would say, come and sacrificially love me. And I believe today that this is the same question that Jesus asks us. As he, as those who seek to follow him and to be his disciples. He's asking us, will you sacrificially love me? Will you give up that thing for me? Will you give up that attitude for me? Will you forgive that person for me? Will you help that person for me? Will you give up that habit for me? Will you, will you give up your life for me? Will you give up your will for mine? Jesus Christ is asking us, will you sacrificially love me so that you can be my disciple? I'm pretty sure there's something that the Lord has asked you at any point in your time to give up or something that he's asked you to do. And the thing that Jesus Christ is asking us as his disciples is that will we sacrificially love him? And the thing is to recognize this is that the call to discipleship is a call to submit our will to his. Jesus is asking us today, will we sacrificially love him? And the thing that's so interesting is this, is that when Jesus asks Peter, will you agapow me? Will you sacrificially love me? Peter responds with, I will phileo. I phileo you. I phileo you. Remember the phileo is the love of passion. The love of passion. So Jesus is asking him, will you sacrificially love me? And Peter is saying, yes, I will phileo love you. 
with passion. And this is in sense what I believe that Peter is saying back to Jesus. Is that I believe there's many different interpretations of this whole discussion. This is what I believe that is happening in this discussion. That as Jesus is coming and asking Peter, will you sacrificially love me? Peter is responding to him as the one who denied him three times. That not only will I sacrificially love you, Jesus, I do it with pleasure. I do it with pleasure. I do it with pleasure, Jesus. That I will not only sacrificially love you, that I come with passion. That I come to sacrificially love you. Not just that to sacrificially love you, but I come and I do it with pleasure. This is what Jesus is asking us to do and why this hit me so hard is because I realized that there are some things in my life that Jesus has intentionally come and asked me. He's not taking it away. He's saying to me, Thimba, will you give up that habit for me? Will you sacrificially love me? Will you forgive that person for me? Will you help that person for me? Will you agapeo me? And I believe he's asking the same question of you today. That to be his disciple, that we must come and submit ourselves to him with a sacrificial love. The third and final trait of the disciple is this, is that disciples make disciples. The one thing that I recognize is this, is that Jesus' strategy, and not only that, the strategy of the entire kingdom has always been this, that the way in which the message of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom is spread throughout the whole earth was through discipleship. There was no other method. This is the method, the strategy that Jesus put out. That he says that inherently, this transformational multiplication strategy of how he grows his kingdom was always about discipleship, right? And this is what it means. I recognize and I hear this all the time, where when people talk about their faith, they talk about this personal faith that they have with Christ Jesus, which is true. That yes, I have this personal relationship, that my relationship with God is, is personal. It's between me and him. That is, that is true, and that's beautiful. But the thing that to recognize is this, is that the intention of the kingdom has never been about simply having this personal relationship with God. It has always been about this relationship and the extension of it. Disciples make disciples. This has always been the kingdom strategy that he literally comes and he tells his disciples, after I have, I have discipled you, now you go and disciple others, and those disciple others, and those disciple others, and those disciple others. That here is the thing, that when we submit ourselves to the will and presence of God in our lives, the inevitable impact around that is this, is that God will place you in a position and he'll begin to use you as a vessel to be able to impact the lives of others, period. This is how the kingdom works. It's never been about merely having personal miracles for yourself. That the reason why God is doing the things that he's doing in your life is because he intends and wants you to be 
one who disciples others, one who is able to have a testimony to give to others. When God is at work in a person's life, that work is just never for that person. The reason why God takes you through certain situations, and I recognize this, and I realize this a lot even for my own life, where God would take me through situations, not just simply because it's just a thing where he's just like, yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take you through this and redeem you on the other end. It is so that I can come here and give a testimony and be able to use that testimony to be able to encourage other people, to be able to uplift others, to be able to take on others. And one of the things that I think is the greatest tragedy of our generation specifically is that so few of us mentor other people. There's a shortage of mentors. And I think for a lot of, many of us, is that one, we don't think we have, we don't have the time. But two, we don't think we have anything that we can mentor someone with. But we don't realize that some of the things that to us are very normal things, to someone else is very profound. It's a profound thing that for you, you're like, ah, yeah, you know, God took me through this and this happened. And, but you don't realize that that, that there, is something that is so deeply profound for someone else that literally is able to uplift their faith and cause them to believe, cause them to reach out and to cry out to the living God that his kingdom would come into their lives and make an impact in their lives. The thing is this, is to realize that disciples make disciples. That if God has come and has given you eternal life, eternal Zohar, eternal purpose, eternal mission, that it is our purpose, it is our God-given, like literally he is calling us to be able to then take that purpose and go to other people and begin to then mentor others. Every single person can mentor one person. Every single person can mentor one person. Every single person can mentor one person. And this is what God is saying to us, that as his disciples, that we are supposed to disciple others. I'm telling you right now, even here, the people who we have here, eh, with CK, Wamai, all of us, we are the product of discipleship. That the reason why our faith to this day stands, just the other day, we were standing in front of some of the people who mentored us when we were young, and people asking us, why is it that you guys... I still believe till this day is because there were men and women who poured their lives into us and who intentionally discipled us and who intentionally came and mentored us to faith in Christ Jesus. And so the thing to recognize is this, is that when we are obedient and when we are submitted to the kingdom and to the gospel of the kingdom and the kingdom purpose and will of God in our lives, that the natural Next step is that disciples make disciples. And God is saying to us that every single person has the ability to disciple one other person. It is something that God has made possible. If he has revealed his kingdom will in your life, I need you to know today that he wants you to go and take one person and intentionally disciple that person. Amen? Remember, that the mysteries of the kingdom are revealed to disciples and not just followers. And so today I implore you, as the Lord implored me while preaching this message, man, I was preparing this, he's just saying, Thimba, I need you to move from just being a follower 
to being a disciple, to being obedient, to being submitted, and to discipling others. To discipling others. Amen? This message pierced my heart because I know there are many instances in which I myself have fallen short. But our grace and mercy, the grace and mercy of our God is so great. And he's here today because I recognize that even at this moment in time, if you recognize that you've been more of a follower than a disciple, then I need you at this very moment, number one, to forgive yourself. But number two, to also seek the Lord and say, Father, forgive me for being a follower and not for being a disciple. I assure you of one thing, that when we commit ourselves to being disciples of Jesus Christ, that then we will then be able to experience all the benefits of the kingdom, eternal life, eternal Zohar, eternal purpose, eternal vitality. This is the promise of the kingdom that Jesus Christ came to preach to us. And he's saying that to us today, that move away from just being a follower, a girl of hype coming, just you like my teachings, to being a disciple, where you come to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. Amen. This is the word of the Lord to us today. There are many times, there are very many times where I know for many of us, we believe that we are the, we're waiting on the Lord. Yeah? We're waiting on the Lord. But I truly believe that there are many times in which actually the opposite is happening, where the Lord is waiting on us. That the Lord is not just here uh, holding back anything from you. He's saying to you, come. Come and be my disciple. Come and obey me. Come and submit yourself to me. Come and be a part of this kingdom agenda to make disciples. And I believe that he's saying that to us today. And so the thing is, repent. Go and ask for forgiveness and ask him to be able to help you to be his disciple. And for us, it's to commit ourselves and saying that we have been followers for long enough, but it's time for us to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for watching. See you again next week. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.